Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right. No funny business today. We got 11 games to recap. I got a very busy day. I think. I don't know. You guys know I can't think more than a few hours ahead at this point in my life. There was a time, man, I look back fondly on those days. There was a time in my younger years that I could actually just remember all the things I needed to do in a given day. And now it's one item at a time. Compartmentalize, chop it up, get it all done that way somehow. Anyway, good day to you all. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, Sports Ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. In fact, most of you that are watching live right at the very beginning are actually over on Twitter right now. So, hello. Uh, YouTubers, you're filing in. Folks watching, listening after the fact. Love you guys. Please do take a moment before we dive in, and we're going to dive in almost immediately today, to like, rate, subscribe. I know it's towards the end of the season. How many people are finding this show now for the first time at the very end of a basketball season? But there might be one. And if there's even one of you, feel free to say something in the comment section. That would be fun. I'd love to know if there was, like, one person that was joining us for the first time. That'd be cool, actually. Anyway, throw it in the comments. You can throw it in the chat room, whatever. It all makes sense. Uh, let's just start going through yesterday's card. We'll, we'll pause at things that are of uh, significant note. And right out of the shoot, we got a significant note. Chris Paul, back for the Warriors after an extended absence. And he looked good in his return. Hit a couple of three-pointers. Hit three of them, actually. Nine points, four boards, six assists, four steals, three threes. It helps to play the Wizards, that's for sure. Uh, but a good sign. And someone that I think you can generally start in fantasy, his minutes will, I would think, ramp up pretty quickly because his injury was to his hand, not to his lower body, not to his core, anything like that, that you kind of need to ease back in a little bit more. Clay Thompson hits six more three-pointers off the bench, so he uh, continues to be a hold in his new, his new digs, the bench. Uh, Brandon Pajemski is the one that I'm worried about. He had seven, four, and four. He did have two steals, a block, and a three to kind of float the fantasy line. But again, if this is what you're going to get against the Wizards, uh, I don't know how good this could look against anybody else. You can give him a soft hold right now just to kind of see how things shake out over the next, call it, three ball games. But I have a feeling that Pods is going to be a drop. And it's also worth pointing out that he did this in this one with Andrew Wiggins out. He didn't, it's not like he was starting for Wiggins. Moses Moody got the start, but only played 22 minutes. Moody did less than what Wiggins does, so everybody else had a little bit extra. But then you can see some of that now is sort of shuttling towards Chris Paul. And for that reason, I think we probably see pods back on waiver wires within the next week or so. But probably wise to just give him a little bit of time to uh, kind of see how the pieces all fall together. Over on the Wizards' side, we finally got that good Marvin Bagley game where you didn't tank your percentages for a night. 20 points, 9 boards, a steal, 2 blocks, a 3-pointer, a couple of assists. And this is the kind of thing we were hoping for, which was more usage and good minutes. Because there just isn't another starter they're willing to play. They have Rashawn Holmes, but they don't seem particularly willing to utilize Rashawn Holmes. So all of a sudden now, and there was no Denny Avdia for this game, uh, so that's why Landry Shamit 
started again, also because Bilal Kulabili was out. So you had this sort of like Russian nesting doll thing going on there. Where it's like, oh, well, what happens if Avdiya's out? Well, then we open that doll, and hey, there's Bilal. Well, what if Bilal's out? And you open that doll, and then you get all the way down to the little, little bitty Landry Shamit, the middle of the dolls, and he's not a play. Corey Kispert is interesting these days, though. I like what we're seeing out of him, and I've been talking about him for a few weeks. Someone even commented on a show I did like a week and a half ago. They were like, why are you spending eight minutes on Corey Kispert? This is why. The dude is actually a little bit better at basketball than we were all giving him credit for, and he's been solid for like three weeks now. The issue, of course, is when he's coming off the bench, we just don't know how much he's going to get to do. So as a starter, Kispert becomes a pretty easy play. He took 15 shots. He's not bashful these days. And then if anybody gets shut down on the Wizards, not that they need to lose more ball games, but at some point these, you know, the veterans, the Tyus Joneses, the Kyle Kuzmases, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm tired, man. Let me Let me take a breather. And then you really get the whole explosion time. And then I know he shot the ball horribly and had six turnovers, but I actually kind of like bench Jordan Poole. He's more of like a top 100 level guy instead of 150, just because he's shooting. He seems to enjoy coming off the bench and just firing like a loony bin. So right now, and Avdi is sort of the wild card here because he's hurt, but Bagley's a start, Tyus Jones is a start, Kuzma's a start, Poole is actually a start right now, believe it or not. And then Kispert's the guy who's a sometimes start. So we're up to, and Avdia too. So we're up to like five and a half, six guys on the Wizards that suddenly now are posting some fantasy value. And that's fun. Good stuff. Cleveland and Dallas, this was a wild one. Max Struess went nuts. He had five three-pointers late, including a 50-footer to win it. Ridiculous. By the way, here's the numbers for Struess. Seven three-pointers. 21 points, four boards, four assists, two blocks. Overall, the funny thing, he was on his way to a pretty mediocre ball game before he went completely insane. And you guys know that I just cannot figure out what I want to do with Max Struess on a game-to-game basis. It's why I made him the official cover art for the Doesn't Matter Club because he's going to have a game like this, and you're going to be like, ooh, Struess, ooh, ooh, Struess. And then he's going to have a game like the one he had the previous day, which was not very good. But the one before that was actually kind of good. He's going to bounce back and forth between good games and bad games. And he's going to settle somewhere between 100 and 130, which is a guy you can definitely use on the head-to-head side because he's been extremely durable. And he's getting you sort of a smattering of things. But a guy that's hard to use against a games cap because you don't want to get him on the crappy days and then accidentally not play him on the good ones. What do you do? I don't know. I actually don't have the answer to that one. So you either play him or you don't. Doesn't matter. Darius Garland being this terrible is a bit of a surprise. I do have him in a league. This is another scenario where I bought into somebody else telling me what to do. I just, I'm like, yeah, sometimes I get led in the right direction on stuff like that, but nothing makes me more annoyed then when I'm like, ah, oh, all right, well, people say Darius Garland's pretty good. And I'm like looking at his numbers from last year and going, this guy was top 50 in what was like a pretty good and repeatable season. Why am I, why are we collectively, why are we drafting him in the late 30s, early 40s? It just didn't make any sense because people were like, oh, you got to get assists. Like, yeah, okay, maybe. Anyway, he's 108. He's six slots in front of Struess. Some of that's turnovers, but some of it's just that he's been kind of bad. But it's not like you can do anything about it. 
other than complain, which is what I'm doing right now. So let's go back over to the other side of this one. Dallas, uh, Luka, wow. I mean, honestly, this is the season that everybody's been waiting for out of Luka for, I don't know, how many years now. Basically, the year where he's not fatiguing as the year goes on. He's played in 50 ball games, which is solid enough, and his percentages are still decent. Field goal percent is basically like a net neutral, even if a slightly po small positive for your guard to get you that type of number. And the free throws, which is normally a colossal negative, he's managed to keep in the high 70s, so kind of minimizing the negative impact there. And then everything else is just insane, which it always is. Points, threes, rebounds, assists, that stuff is always crazy for Luka. The question was, how much would the bad stuff, percentages typically, yank that down the board? And this year, the answer is not much. He's been crazy. Also, the fact that he's, because uh, Embiid is not going to qualify. Luka's going to be the NBA leader in scoring, and it doesn't seem like anybody's going to be all that close on a per-game basis. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, by totals, is a pretty, has a shot to beat him. Um, probably will, just because he's played seven more games right now. But, like, what Luka's doing this year is crazy, and we probably should talk about it more, but whatever. Kyrie. Uh, another good ball game out of Kyrie Irving. He's number 11 on a per-game basis. The missed games have been a pain in the butt, but from a per-game standpoint, he's been exactly what was expected there. The issues with Dallas right now is they can't decide who they want to play at center. Maxi Kleba got 27 minutes at center off the bench in this ball game. Derek Lively started and played 22. Daniel Gafford, their big trade deadline acquisition, and the guy that I'm trying to convince you guys to hold on to, played seven minutes in this game and got roasted in the seven minutes that he was on the floor. And it wasn't all his fault, necessarily. It was just sort of a lineup that he was a part of. But Jason Kidd is not going to stick with any of these three centers if they're not playing well on a given day. And so for Gafford, he was the odd man out. I'm still going to try to give it a few more ball games here. I know the ceiling is falling, the sky is falling, the whole thing. But, like, is it really going to be Kleba? We're trending towards none of these guys being on rosters. But possibly an injury would free up both. Like if Kleba went down again, Lively and Gafford would probably both be playable. If Lively goes down, Gafford and Kleba, Gafford would probably be playable because Maxi needs solid like 32 minutes to hit fantasy value. But right now they're all healthy, which I guess, you know, good for Dallas, bad for us. Gafford's going to get dropped everywhere after a seven-minute game, and honestly, I don't blame those teams for doing it. See if you can hang on just a game or two longer. It's not a lot to ask. I know it's hard right now, and if you're you know fighting for a playoff spot and all that stuff, this is sort of like bottoming out, and you might be able to just pick him up off the waiver wire in a couple of days if he's not on your team. Uh, and I'm not saying he's necessarily going to be awesome, but what it looks like right now is all three guys are going to just be cooked as long as they're all upright. Brooklyn-Orlando was a blowout. Uh, Brooklyn was without uh, Cam Thomas in this ballgame. They were without Ben Simmons in this ballgame. And so we got kind of a look at, okay, what happens if a lot of usage gets poured back into the communal pool? And the answer was you, you kind of need to hold on to Cam Johnson in those scenarios. He played 29 minutes and sort of, I don't know, anybody had business playing 29 minutes, but he did. Uh, and... He got the start, again, partially because of who was out for this ballgame, and Dennis Schroeder. So I feel like if if Cam Thomas and or Ben Simmons misses another ballgame, you could probably play both of those guys. If Simmons comes back and plays his 19 minutes or whatever it is, you, we probably need to reassess 
But this is one of the reasons that I keep saying hang on to Cam Johnson just a little bit longer. It's been such an up-and-down, frustrating year. There's no sugarcoating that part. But the Brooklyn Nets are awful. Uh, they don't have their pick, so there's no reason for them to tank. But there are reasons to just sort of see what they've got. Kevin Ollie, now new head coach, kind of mix and match bodies a little bit, see what makes sense. And hopefully one of the things that makes sense is just sort of more aggressive iteration of Cam Johnson. Now, I don't, again, we have no way of knowing that's to be the case, but sure feels like Ben Simmons is one game away from being cooked. It feels like Cam Thomas's injury will keep him out for a couple of ball games. So we got kind of an opportunity to assess this situation. Same thing with Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, so you kind of got three dudes on this club right now where you're like, well, maybe. So Schroeder, Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson, uh... Cam Johnson would be my my preferred hold among that list, but it's possible that all three end up barely useful, and it's also possible that all three end up crap. So I don't know that you need to, like, well, rethink that thought. I think I'm holding Cam Johnson in most formats because we know he can be quite good. Schroeder's a tougher one because we know he we need him to get, well, he needs to get, for fantasy value, a lot of usage. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, like, you just need 33 minutes of ball game, which maybe. So he'd be the lowest on the totem pole there. Orlando uh, had no problem taking care of business without Paolo Boncaro in this ball game. Everybody got weird minutes because the game was over early. You're not making any adjustments to your valuations with this team, which is basically like Franz Wagner is a nine-category player, and then everybody else is just scraping at it. They need an injury for someone else to be a 9-cat guy, and that's not a thing that it's nice to root for, so we'll just sort of quietly move along. The Pelly Bellies took care of the Zombie Knicks, who, you know, they had some gusto. The Knicks had some gusto when they lost Randall and lost OG and Anobi, and you just, like, you knew they were going to run out of gas because they played all their guys 45 minutes a game, and that can only work for a couple of weeks until they just, like, don't have the energy anymore. Meanwhile, over on the Pelican side, McCollum not back yet, so Trey Murphy remains a very good stream when he's starting. Uh, Herb Jones is a play right now as well, and that's kind of it on the Pelican side. For the Knicks, they're still trying to play everybody. Tibbs is, 40 minutes. Uh, no Hartenstein on the back-to-back. -back. Jericho Sims was, like, bleh, feh. I don't really like Jericho Sims' fantasy game. Boyan Bogdanovich got an opportunity because they basically couldn't play Hardenstein the full ball game and then sometimes Boyan's going to get hot and this will happen and then the you know two or three ball games in a row it'll be bad also no Jalen Brunson here Miles McBride is a much better fill-in than Bogdanovich or Jericho Sims so Brunson out McBride becomes sort of like a nice little one-to-one -one thing there uh, but generally DiVincenzo Precious Josh Hart Hardenstein Brunson those are the guys that you're playing and then if you have these sort of individual streamer moments McBride is, in my opinion, the only one that I would take a shot on. Unless suddenly it's like, oh, Hart and DiVincenzo are both out. Then you could probably go the boy on route. But I would need almost a guarantee that he's getting 14 shots. And there are very few days where someone can give me that kind of guarantee. Philly was terrible. Tyrese Maxey had 32 points and the rest of the team had 67. Yuck. Gross. Anyway, this game was over early, so you got terrible lines out of Tobias Harris, Paul Reed, Kelly Oubre, uh, and Buddy Heald, all four of whom you can start in the next ball game. 
The sad news of the day, this is the game with it, DeAnthony Melton back out with back spasms. He was just dealing with a spine issue, uh, so to know that there's now spasms in the back again, even if the spasm turns out to be a thing that goes away in a couple of days, you can bet your butt that it's going to impact him mentally. He's going to start thinking that his back is just not going to be right. I hate to say this. I hate to say it out loud, but you can probably drop DeAnthony Melton. He was on his way to ramping up, but now the health thing becomes too big of an issue. I'm willing to change my stance on this. It doesn't make me happy to do it. Uh, but I can't... Roto, you can sit on him and see what happens. You know, throw him on your bench because you got a games cap you can deal with there. Head-to-head, you just you can't afford the zeros and the eight-minute games and the fear and the slow ramp-up again. You know, the fact that he was up to 17, 18 minutes in his last ball game, it was like, okay, great, we got the ramp-up going. He'll be at 20 in the next one. He was probably on his way to getting over 20 in this ball game. I can't, I can't advocate in head-to-head leagues where you're fighting for anything at all to sit on a re-ramp-up. It's just too slow. Celtics, I mean, whatever. Start the starters. They don't have on back-to-back for a couple of weeks, so you won't get your Al Horford fill-in game until then. Uh, and so we wait. Utah, they're in, they're in a bit of a tank mode these days. They're playing some young guys, and they're feeling it out. Uh, Taylor Hendricks had 8-8 eight and eight with a couple of steals. Meh, I'm not all that super excited about him for this year. I'm, you know, I'm a redraft guy. Walker Kessler at least finally got a better ball game. Played 29 and a half minutes off the bench, 14-12 and a couple of blocks. So you're starting Colin Sexton, who got six steals here. This is, you know, that's like his quota for two weeks. Sexton, Kessler, John Collins... Crummier ball game, but you can start him. Larry Markinen, obviously, crummier ball game, but you could start him. And then I'll say the same thing I've said how many times now? 10? 15? Keontae George? Hope you catch lightning in a bottle. He doesn't get that many defensive stats. His percentages are going to be rough. The turnovers are probably going to be kind of rough. So it's going to be really hard for him to be inside the top 109 cat. I mean, I, I don't know what, I, what more I can say on this front. Like, there hasn't been that much pushback, which is kind of good. It almost feels like, and maybe it's because you guys, listeners and my Twitter followers, maybe you guys are just sort of like significantly better than the average fantasy player. But remember, Keontae had that really strong shooting stretch going into the All-Star break. And then I think the first game coming out of it, and then he's been abysmal shooting his last two so it's kind of leveled things out a little bit. So at, over that stretch, he's right around the edge of the top 100. But that's with like three really good shooting games in there. If you, and I can't say you can remove them, but do we think that he's, I guess the question is, do we think that he's going to be in the like 44% range? Because that's where he is over the last two weeks. Or do we think it's going to be more 40 it's actually kind of a significant difference because he's taking a lot of shots right now. Over that two-week span for George, uh, he's taking like, what, 14 shots a game, I think? Let me get the exact number here. Yeah, 14 and a half shots per game over the last two weeks for George. Um, so is it going to be kind of bad or is it going to be atrocious? That's going to be the difference between whether or not he's a nine-cap play or not. Because if it's just kind of bad, he can probably survive that with threes and assists and some scoring because the volume is higher right now. And that'll probably put him, my guess would be, in that 
scenario between 100 and 130, 130, but if it's more like 39, 40% shooting on volume and heaven forbid, you know, he's not making four three pointers a game. Now you're talking about a guy who's between 130 and 200. So I don't know which one it's going to be, but if you happen to get another two or three game span where he's shooting 55%, sell high, which is what I yelled about last time it happened. We just, like, here's the thing. You know, I spend so many hours every day handicapping this stuff that people are like, Dan, how did you know that this was going to happen? You know, it's not rocket science. It's just not. Atlanta, uh, they're doing the whole, you know, we lost our superstar. We're going to pick, everybody's going to pick it up here. Now it helps that they played Utah in this ball game, but everybody's doing a little more. Jalen Johnson, who, I mean, wow. If not for his five-week injury, holy crap. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, uh, DeAndre Hunter, DeJounte Murray, even Sadiq Bey. Those, you can play, what did I just list? Five, six guys. A lot of dudes on this Atlanta team that are all playable right now with no Trey Young because that's just so much stuff to do that got dropped back into the big pool. I love the big pool. I actually don't. I hate water. Uh, Milwaukee blew out Charlotte. This game was over very early. Charlotte doesn't have enough players to play a bench. So a lot of their guys still got normal minutes, like Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, Trey Mann. They all played starters minutes in this game, even though it was a blowout disaster. Uh, Trey Mann is a similar but slightly different situation to Keontae George. I think his stat set translates a little bit better to 9-cat, um, but it's the same thing. If he goes on a slightly better run, you you try to sell high. If not, uh, I, I would say that the... If you're just looking at it from sort of a strict rankings standpoint, you're probably looking at Trey Mann and saying, okay, well, like a best-case scenario for him, he could maybe get more to like that 75-80 range, which I don't know that Keontae gets there. But the worst case for Mann is probably lower because I don't think his assists are going to be as high as George. I don't think his threes are going to be as high as George. I don't know that his steals are going to be as high. Turnovers will probably be better. Um, Well, yeah. Yeah, Trey Mann's turnovers will be a little bit better. Um. Over the last two weeks, Trey Mann is about 10 slots ahead of George, and he's done it with big steals over that stretch. He's averaging two steals a game over the last couple of weeks, five boards. That's, again, probably higher than we're expecting out of him in the long term. Um, four boards here in 34 or 33 minutes. Yeah, I mean, all right, that's sort of attainable. So I think I'd probably prefer Trey Mann over Keontae George by a couple of rounds, but it's, again, that same thing. So when he gets hot and... For Keontae, the hot stretch is going to be like a top 60, top 70 range kind of thing. For Man, the hot stretch might be like a week, week and a half where he goes top 40. Again, same story. Try to move them when they run super hot because it's going to be a big sine wave. The peaks will be high. The valleys will be low. We knew Nick Richards was going to have a slower game after his big one. Like, he's a top 125 fill-in center. That's just what he is. There's almost no reason to even think about it. And Grant Williams, not surprisingly, slowed down. It was bound to happen. Boy, if you didn't have Giannis, Bobby Portis, or Dame on the Milwaukee side, this game was over way too early. Brooke Lopez, two steals, two blocks. That's basically the whole line. Jay Crowder had a slightly better game. So did Pat Connaughton. I mean, I don't know. Malik Beasley is generally streamable right now with Chris Middleton out. Don't make adjustments to your valuation in a game that ended this fast. Detroit and Chicago. I mean, this was like, what a weird, weird ball game. And Detroit ends up winning it. 
And there's just like so much to hate about Chicago as a, an organization. Um, this game being such a, a perfect example of the weirdness. The Bulls were terrible in the second half. They scored 40 total points in the second half of this ball game. Uh, and and why they didn't sell off all of their pieces remains the greatest mystery. And 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 like I get it, they don't want to be non-competitive, but they're not competitive. It's just not how how is it that the Bulls front office is the only there's like 25 people in that in that building that don't see what everyone else sees. I'm so sorry, Bulls fans. It must be very very frustrating to be a Bulls fan these days. Ugh. We'll get to their side in a minute uh, because there's only bad news coming out of the Bulls side. On the Detroit side, Jalen Duran, Cade Cunningham, those guys, those are your everyday safe plays. Azar Thompson still getting big minutes despite the return of Isaiah Stewart is a very good sign. That's good. <laughs> Not that I had to say that so many times, but I'm, my, that was one of my big worries was is... Isaiah Stewart going to ruin Oscar Thompson actually getting playing time? And the answer, at least for one day, was no. So stronghold on Thompson. Do you have to play him every day on the Roto side? Eh, it's a bit of a coin flip, but very much a guy that you need to be holding down the stretch because it seems like they're going to be starting to now force-feed him minutes. That's good news. Uh, the bad news for Detroit is um, Isaiah Stewart's playing big minutes, and he, his fantasy game doesn't translate very well. It's mostly rebounds, some three-pointers, and every once in a blue moon, he'll score a little bit. Not really enough for 9-cat, so probably leaving him alone. Um, and then that bumps Simone Fontecchio down a rung, who actually had a really nice ball game. He had five three-pointers. He took nine of them in 21 minutes. That's not sustainable. His usage yesterday was not sustainable. Quentin Grimes seems like he got pushed a little farther down the totem pole. So with Stewart back, he's not good enough himself to get on nine-cat rosters. And then now that means that Fontecchio and Grimes pretty much have no path to it. So subtraction by addition. But at least you got a good not line out of us or Thompson. All right, Bulls. Um... So the only thing that came out of this ballgame on the Bulls' side was that Alex Caruso left and came back dealing with, uh, I think it was hamstring, right? Yeah, hamstring stuff. Uh, he had five steals in his 25 minutes. Ah, I think the Bulls could have easily gotten a first-round pick for Alex Caruso at the trade deadline. Easily. And I get it. Moving a, a cooked Zach Levine, cooked until next year, we hope, that would have been a lot harder. But DeRozan, they could have moved. Caruso, they could have moved. Drummond they could have moved. The Bulls could have gotten assets beyond their wildest dreams for at least one or two of those guys. And they just elected to play it out and be bad. It's just so frustrating. From a fantasy standpoint, things are not all that goofy, at least. The only thing that we learned from this one is that if Caruso goes down, Patrick Williams still on the shelf, Andre Drummond is actually the next man up. So the Bulls are like, look, if we don't have Caruso, we're just going big. We're going jumbo goal line package here. Goal line package. So if Caruso's out, you could probably wiggle out an Andre Drummond stream. Now, I wouldn't have done it going into this ball game, but he did pick up a lot of the slack uh, for Caruso missing whatever, you know, the last 10-ish minutes of what he would have gotten in a ball game like this one. 
So that's notable. Also notable because the you know the Pistons are not a gigantic team, big enough because the Stewart Duran front court is sort of like big ish, and Vooch can hang with Isaiah Stewart at power forward, and that's really what the Bulls are looking at. Can Vooch hang with the opposing team's power forward? If the answer is yes, then we can go jumbo. If the answer is no, they're going to go Vooch at center. Otherwise, things stayed pretty much constant on the Bulls' side. Just keep an eye on whether or not you can get something out of Drummond. Wemby had another six defensive stats. What an unbelievable like late-season push for Wembenyama, who was already good at the beginning of the year, but he's just... Like, he's, he's solved the NBA puzzle in two and a half months. That's way quicker than I thought that was going to happen. Kudos to you, Victor. I thought it would take him a year. You know, maybe towards the end of this season, but he did it halfway through. And so now he's just steamrolling. He's up to number eight. Eight! He's got a bit of a gap between himself and Donovan Mitchell on the per-game side, and then Kawhi. Like, I don't think he's catching Kawhi and Luka, but, I mean... What's stopping him right now? There are no fantasy stats to speak of on the San Antonio Spurs. None. Vassell's a start. Trey Jones is a start. Wemby, obviously. That's it. I don't care if Keldon Johnson has one good ball game. He's not that good. I don't care when Jeremy Sohan had almost a good month because we know he's also problematic in fantasy. You guys may wonder, do I like when a team is really easy to handicap in fantasy? The answer is, in life, no. On a podcast, yes, because it keeps us moving. Timberwolves were without Carl Anthony Towns for this ballgame and then lost slow-mo halfway through. So Nas Reed got 33 minutes, and if Nas gets 25 minutes or more, Nas is an all-systems-go fantasy guy. Make sure he's on rosters in case Nas Reed gets either a fill-in start or if like one of the main guys is down Cap being down means that there's going to be enough usage, although Anthony Edwards took 29 shots, which, you know, typically maybe not the thing you want, but against the Spurs, they can get away with it. Um, Yeah, just keep an eye on what's going on with the Wolves because uh, Nas Reed would be your 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 jam there. Don't worry about Monte Morris. Uh, they just They were able to run different lineups because San Antonio is not good. Houston, also not very good these days. What a weird year they've had. Got off to a blistering start, and the Rockets now 25-33. and 33. They are very close to their season win total. I think it was like high 20s, right? It was like 28, 29, something like that. And I said something like, I get that they want to be good, but I don't know if they're going to be. And it's going to be close, actually, at the end of it. They'll probably go over, but I think it'll be close. I'm in Thompson. Only 17 minutes here. Uh, still hold. Give that one a little bit longer. Otherwise, nothing else to talk about on the Houston side. Never anything to talk about on the Thunder side. So we can just keep on rolling to the final game of the evening. The Heat got Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jovic, and Terry Rozier all back for this one. So Tyler Hero is the only main cog not in. They're still missing Josh Richardson and Thomas Bryan is suspended. But as far as like the main guys getting Butler and Rozier back on the second half of this back-to-back, one was suspension, one was injury. That was a big get for Miami, who didn't play all that well, but sort of played it well enough. Uh, from a streaming standpoint, well, from a reality standpoint, or like big name stuff, uh, you know, Rozier, obviously, you can just get him right back in there. 
But those guys being back pushed DeLon Wright to a small role, pushed Haquez to a low usage role, pushed Kevin Love to a smaller role, pushed Caleb Martin to a smaller role, pushed Haywood Highsmith to a smaller role. Jovich is not somebody you're trusting full-time anyway. So just like, and this is what we talked about on yesterday's show, it's not always just about how many minutes, because Butler and Rozier played 63, Jovich got 15, those guys all being back, that's about 78 minutes back into the mix. It's not just about finding 78 minutes to take away from the other guys. It's about the fact that Rozier, 14 shots, 4 assists, 3 free throws. Butler, 12 shots, 9 assists, 9 free throws. The ball's just in their hands instead of in Caleb Martin's hands or Haquez's hands or Wright's hands. And that's why those guys are not useful anymore. But then at least you've got Duncan Robinson filling in for Hero, who was still good enough. Because you get the 34 minutes, that gives him enough time to get a steal and a few rebounds and a couple of assists. And that's just sort of the whole, like, is this guy going to be good enough? Well, if he's just out there for a really long time, yes. Hero comes back. You don't play Duncan Robinson. If he stays out, it looks like you can continue to do so. Another injury in this uh, long Tuesday card, one of many, DeAndre Ayton, who had actually finally started to play well, and the word after the ball game was that his hand hurt a lot. That's what Chauncey Billups was saying. So he ain't coming back in the super near future. Um, I think a best-case scenario would be a week or two. Which brings us to... Duop Wreath, and Tumani Kamara. There's a lot going on with this Blazers team. We have Malcolm Brogdon still out. We have Shaden Sharp still out. We have Scoot still out. And now we have DeAndre Ayton out. Which, you know, on its base is interesting because it gives us a lot of names to maybe look at. But it's also incredibly difficult in the modern NBA. I don't know, you guys remember like a decade ago. If someone went out, there was a guy that just took their place. Not all the time, but most of the time. Now, because everybody's position on the floor is so fluid, there isn't like one obvious guy in any scenario. Now, I would think that with Aiton out, Reith is going to start at center. Is he guaranteed 27 minutes? No, definitely not. If he's playing poorly like he did in this ballgame, he started the second half for Aiden, but he still only played 13 minutes, and they just went small. And obviously the opponent will also factor into this a little bit. Going small against Bam Adebayo, probably not that great of an idea, but, you know, whatever for Portland. This is why they got stomped in the second half. They had no real solution. Of the, the fringy names which I will put on the board as Duop Reith, Tumani Kamara, even Matisse Thibel. I'm not even including Jabari Walker. He's so far away from fantasy value that I had to bat down those questions for a while there, but luckily nobody's asked me about him in a while. So Reith, Kamara, Thibel. Those are the three guys that are like, okay, maybe. Reith probably gets the spot start. So he would be the, in my eyes, the most likely pickup. Because you're like, well, look, if he just plays medium, he'll get 26 center minutes, and that might damn well be enough for him to get to, you know, 120 range fantasy value. But if he's awful, and no one else comes back for the Blazers, then maybe you lean more towards Kamara, because his fantasy game is probably a little bit more translatable, but the minutes are less set in stone, perhaps. I don't know that he has the easiest path to them. Now, the other thing that complicates this is, 
What if somebody reappears for the Blazers? What if Scoot is back? Sounds like he's still probably a couple games away. Same story for Sharp. Uh, and then Brogdon, you know, he may just be going player coach mode the rest of the way. But, and then if you're thinking, what about Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons? Like, I don't even know if they can shut anybody else down or because they're already down so many bodies that like someone has to go out there and score 20 points or they're going to lose by 45 every night. The Blazers are a mess. I don't know that this is, this may be one of those situations where it's just so, the water is so murky that there's almost no point in trying to see through it. If you insist on sticking a flashlight into the murky, murky swamps that is this fantasy team, Matisse Thibel is probably your highest floor guy because he's going to play 30 minutes if all of these guys are still out. And so he's going to get you three defensive stats. And then it's like, all right, if anything else happens, great. If you want to take sort of the shot, which is like, try to continue my metaphor of swimming in murky waters, that's like opening your mouth for a minute. It would be wreath. To say, all right, I'm going to hope and pray that I don't accidentally swallow a syringe when I open my mouth in these murky waters. Uh, and that would be, Reith gets a few games in a row where he plays like 29 minutes. And if that happens, he'll be fine. The safest move, what I'm going to do, probably nothing. Hope that DeAndre Ayton comes back and it doesn't take all that long. Quick look at the chat room here. Let's see what we got in the chat room. While I'm looking at the chat room, this is a great opportunity to remind you guys that you can find me over on social at Dan Bespris. And to please go buy something because the season is winding down. And so Manscaped is also probably going to be winding down their partnership for this 2023-24 campaign. But I want to make sure that they come back in September. And that means I want to see if we can move three. That's not that much. Three Manscaped units. Go to Manscaped. Escaped units. Whoops, Dan. Uh, Ethos20 is the promo code over there. Ethos20. 20% off. Free shipping. Ethos20. 20% off. Free shipping at manscaped.com. Go get something post-haste. Questions from the chat room. We'll go lightning around on these bad boys. Kelly Oubre or Cole Anthony? Rest of season. Give me Kelly Oubre. In leagues that have a max of four moves per week, how many streamer spots would you recommend? Two. Two. And in the playoffs, if you can go full long stream mode, maybe even three. I typically, during the regular season, go N. So we'll math it, this one. N is your number of weekly moves. That's our stand-in variable. Uh, divided by two. So if N is four, which it is in most Yahoo default settings, N divided by two Two moves, two streaming slots. In the playoffs, I go N divided by two plus one. So typically that gets me to three. I'm looking for guys at that point that go four games in six days, six games in nine days. If there are any teams that go five games over seven days, that would be one that I would invest probably two of my three streaming slots in. So it doesn't feel quite like a stream because you're sitting on guys for a while. Uh, but then there's, you know, sometimes there's sort of staggered overlaps. You're making one move every two or three days, but you're getting a lot of games out of a guy. Instead of over two days or four, you're getting it over six, seven, or nine. That's for playoffs. Uh, this question I actually answered during the show. Are we dropping Melton? Sadly, yes, which is a real shame. 
Uh, as a Nets fan, Simmons has me mega fearful when it comes to back issues. Yeah, as it should be, and this is sort of in relation to the DeAnthony Melton situation. Uh, ben Simmons has is a head case. DeAnthony Melton, by all accounts, is not a head case, so there's, there's other things that are at play here. And uh, so, like, I don't actually firmly believe that Ben Simmons even wants to be playing basketball all that much anymore, but I feel like he's doing it because he wants to prove that he's not a head case. I think Melton is actually just going to, like, quietly try to get right and play again. Uh, but, yeah, you can't hold on to DeAnthony for that second ramp-up. Bespris, are you a fan of the music artist Moby? That's not a question I expected to get today. Um, eh, you know, like, he had his few jams when I was younger. Like, mid to, mid, mid to late 90s, right? That was, so mid to late 90s would be uh, sort of high school for me. Middle and high school. Um, and, you know, he had his few jams. He had the one in the, the Christopher Walken SNL skit. I think that's Rockefeller Skank, right? Uh, and he had the one in um, Cruel Intentions was in there a bit. No, and then it was the one, she's all that. That was, no, that was Rockefeller Skank. I can't remember which one's which. Um, it's fine. I don't have a Moby album or anything like that, but I know a few of those those jams from 25 years ago. Uh, did I miss your take on Daniel Gafford? Apparently, um, my take is see if you can hold for another game or two, but I also understand if you can't, because it seems like everybody's a mess there. Someone running the Sports Ethos account sent a tweet at, at us. I don't know who's in charge of that one right now. I just traded Bradley Beal for Jeremy Grant, hoping Aiton is halfway to Cancun already. <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? Jeremy Grant ain't going to be all that far behind him. Um, also, big news to reveal at the end of today's show. Why did he wait until the end of the show? Because he's an idiot, friends. That's why Dan waited until the end of the show. The baseball draft guide is out. It's out now. So if you guys are out there and you're like, how can I support Dan? How can I support Sports Ethos? How do I make sure that Sports Ethos continues to stay alive and grow and bud like a delightful flower in springtime? It is springtime in like three and a half weeks. Go get yourself a baseball fantasy pass or an all-sport fantasy pass. Now, if you're listening, you're like, Dan, I love basketball, and I really love sports ethos, but I don't play baseball. If you're on an NBA fantasy pass, reach out to me. I have a way of getting you upgraded to an all-sport for basically a dollar. NBA fantasy passers, hit me up if you want to write something in the chat room or the comment section, or tweet at me, or email, or whatever, or hit me in Discord, tag me in there. All of that is fine. If you're an NBA fantasy passer, and you have any inclination of playing baseball, or you just really love us, and you want to be, like, super chill about it, hit me up. I can get you on the all-sport for $1 a month. One. You'll never even notice the difference, but it'll mean the world to us here at Sports Ethos. It'll mean the world to the guys over in the baseball division to know that you're supporting their cause. Uh, Joe Orico and his awesome team. Uh, I've seen the articles in this draft guide. They are with, by the way, all the love to our NBA guys as well. Probably the deepest dives that I've ever seen. Uh, maybe outside of like Panda's player profiles, because he would go 400 players deep. I don't know everybody's catching that. But these are like the dynasty articles are insane. The sleepers, the busts. The starting pitcher profile. Some of these things are four, five, six thousand words for just one little article in a draft guide. And the Orico 250, Joe's rank board, comes out, I think, later today. Tomorrow, at the absolute latest, he's going to start dropping his individual positions 
on the rank board, and then you'll get the sort of the whole thing, the aggregate after he gets through the positions. Uh, projections also in that MLB draft guide. We're likely to have a draft tracker available as well. All of that. The MLB Fantasy Pass is six bucks a month, same as the NBA Fantasy Pass. But again, if you're on something already, hit me up. All sport is the way to go. Get yourself baseball and basketball. And in a couple of months, when we're putting stuff out on that front, football as well. Just win all year long with Sports Ethos. This is the way to support the website right now. So please do check that out. That's at sportsethos.com or follow Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. That's the baseball feed. We'll have baseball news over there. And right now, a lot of tweets about what's in that draft guide. Go check that out, sportsethos.com. Support your friends here at the website. Please, on the way out from today's show, make sure you click like and subscribe and rate and review. Mm. And we got one thing on the way here. Andre asks, Dano, did you see that Shohei Homer at spring training? You know damn right I did. Oppo, baby. Chris says, Dan's going to try to make me like fantasy baseball and my partner's going to hate you. Uh, yeah, that is what I'm going to try to do. And we'll probably have a baseball guy. It'll probably be Joe, if I had to guess. We'll probably have him on here in the next uh, week or two to tell you a bit more about the draft guide. Because, look, we support each other here at Sports Ethos. And, like, I know you guys support us, and so that's all part of it. So like, rate, subscribe. Go check out the baseball stuff. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back to break down the medium medium-sized card tomorrow. In the meantime, I'll catch you guys over on Twitter at Dan Vespers. So long for now.